Um, I'm going to invite Viv to come and give us our New Testament reading, which is Colossians 1, 15 to 23. The heading is the supremacy of the Son of God. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he can, has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. May God add his blessing to his word. So many companies these days try to sell you their standard product plus something, something more, something uh, better. It's like, well, you've got our product uh, but you could have an even better version of our product. So there's Apple TV+, Plus, ESPN+, Plus, Disney+, Plus, YouTube Premium, Spotify Premium, Amazon Prime, Samsung and Apple roll out a new phone every year. In Japan, they've got Pepsi Extra with added uh, caffeine and uh, uh, sweetness. As a few of you perk up then, but it's not available in Australia. Um, but what this does is it creates in us an expectation that there is always a better version of the things that we have. And this is one of the problems, in fact, the main problem, that Paul addresses in his letter to the Colossians. Obviously, uh, they didn't have Disney+, Plus, uh, but there were those who were trying to sell them or try to pressure them to take Jesus+. Plus. Uh, the Christians in Colossae were made up of both Jews and Gentiles, uh, Gentiles being non-Jews, mostly Gentiles, but there were some Jews there as well. And uh, it's likely that there were Jews in the community saying, we need Jesus plus certain Jewish customs, laws, and regulations. And there were Gentiles, non-Jews in the congregation, that remember they'd come from a pagan background, and they were saying, well, we need Jesus plus some of these uh, uh, pagan uh, customs and gods. Uh, So the Colossians were under huge pressure to go with Jesus plus. So Paul makes this uh, argument for the supremacy of Christ. And this argument that we'll be looking at today, uh, in it he explores both creation and 
new creation. He begins by saying, verse 15, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. So God, who created everything, is invisible. We can't see him, but he is made visible through Jesus. So let's break this down a bit. Firstly, we're reminded that the world, the solar system, and the universe has a creator. Uh, There was a time not so long ago when many scientists postulated uh, that matter, that stuff, had always existed. And those with an atheistic perspective seized on this. They said, well, we don't need a creator because there has always been something. How life emerged out of this matter, how life began, remained a problem for them. Uh, But they uh, confidently asserted that matter itself had always existed. In 1931, a Belgian cosmologist and Catholic priest by the name of Georges Lemaitre uh, wrote a paper presenting evidence for the universe having a beginning. His paper went against uh, uh, the grain of scientific thinking at the time, uh, but it's now universally accepted that the universe had a beginning. In light of this discovery, to hold an atheistic worldview to say there is no God is to say that nothing created something from nothing. As Christians, we would say that God created something from nothing. And uh, what many refer to as the Big Bang, I would prefer to call creation. So the universe has a creator. But let us think for a moment about the creation itself. Now, if you look out the window, it all looks perfectly calm and still out there, doesn't it? Uh, But let's remember that right now we are on a huge rock that is spinning on its own axis at about 1,600 kilometers an hour, whilst at the same time hurtling through space, orbiting the sun at a speed of 108,000 kilometers per hour. Our world is basically one huge and insanely fast theme park ride. The sun that we are orbiting is a star. Now, on a clear night, if there's not much light pollution, uh, we can see between five and 10,000 stars with the naked eye. The total number of stars in the universe is such a colossal figure that we just can't get our heads around it. Our minds don't compute. Uh, suffice to say that scientists believe that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on the Earth. It is mind-boggling. The universe is incomprehensibly vast, and yet more than 80% of the Earth's surface beneath the ocean remains unmapped, unobserved, and unexplored. Scientists estimate that there are around 8.7 million species of plant and animal. Uh, So far, uh, we've only identified about 1.2 million of them. The point that I'm making is that creation, we take it for granted, but creation is absolutely awesome. And the God who stands behind it all is even more awesome. How could we, as mere human beings, comprehend anything about such an awesome being? 
God stands outside of space and time. We can't see him. How could we possibly know God? Well, the answer to that question can be found in the person of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God. God made visible. When Jesus walked the earth, people saw him. They spoke with him. They heard him teach. They ate with him. They were hugged by him. Let's take a moment to appreciate how this awesome God of the universe has made himself known to humanity, has made himself known to us. Let us make no mistake, Jesus is a man, but he is also God. Notice it says that he was the firstborn over all creation. It doesn't say he's the firstborn of all creation. That would make him, I guess, a created being. No, he's over all creation, and in him and through him, all things have been created. Jesus is a man whose identity is the creator God of the universe. Jesus is the Lord of everything. And if if there is anything beyond the universe, he's Lord of that too. When it comes to understanding our world, there is one fundamental distinction that we need to grasp. And it's not the distinction between protons and neutrons uh, or between acid and alkali or between vertebrates and invertebrates, although I am very pleased not to be a worm. Uh, It's not even the distinction between humans and animals. The most important distinction is that between creation and creator. There is a creator and there is everything else. Jesus is not part of creation. He is the creator. Paul continues, he, that is Jesus, is before all things And in him, all things hold together. So not only is Jesus the author of creation and the one for whom everything exists, he is also the one who sustains the whole of creation. It's like you make a cake. You are the creator and the owner of that cake. Uh, But if the cake is separated from you, it disintegrates. The cake can only hold together while you are present. Now, hopefully your cakes don't really disintegrate, but you get an idea of what Paul is talking about. The whole of creation is held together by Jesus. Without Jesus, nothing can hold together. Jesus is the author, the purpose, and the sustainer of creation. So that's creation, but Paul also talks about new creation. Through Jesus, God created everything. But right now, God's creation is not as it should be. It's perfectly obvious that something has gone wrong. Uh, There's corruption, war, poverty, famine, human trafficking, exploitation, environmental vandalism, lying, hatred, jealousy, racism, division. The world is not as it should be. Humanity is not as it should be. But just as God made the world through Jesus, so God will remake the world through Jesus. Jesus uh, was at the center of God's act of creation, and Jesus is at the center of God's act of new creation. One of the things that is obviously wrong with the world is death. In a perfect world, death would not be a thing. 
Uh, the, the Bible tells us that death entered into creation because human beings decided that they didn't want to listen to God. They rejected God. They turned away from him. Now, I think you'll agree it would be deeply disturbing if creatures who are in total rebellion against God were allowed to live forever. What's more, if we're walking away from God of our own volition, how can we possibly spend eternity with God? By rejecting God, we rejected life and therefore chose death. When I say we, I'm talking about humanity as a whole, of course. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus has defeated death. Paul says Jesus is the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, Jesus is the first to experience resurrection life, but he won't be the last because those who put their faith in Jesus will also be raised, will also be resurrected when Jesus returns at the appointed time. So who are these people who will be resurrected to live with Jesus in a renewed and restored creation in a world that's been put right and made perfect? Well, they are those who know and love Jesus. As I said before, those who have put their faith in Jesus, those who have repented of their sin and turned towards Jesus. They're the church, the body of Christ of whom Jesus is the head. Again, Paul says, verses 19 to 20, for God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God's fullness dwells in Christ. There is nothing that we need to know about God that we can't learn from Jesus. And through Jesus, God has reconciled all things to himself on earth and in heaven. Ultimately, there is no part of creation that will not be put right by Jesus. How has Jesus achieved this? Well, last part of verse 20, it says, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The turbulent state of the world today should be enough to convince us that human beings are not capable of establishing a lasting peace. In Jesus' day, there was relative peace across the Roman world. Um, that is to say, there were no major uh, wars or military campaigns uh, being fought. It was a 200-year period uh, known by historians as the Pax Romana or the Roman peace. But that so-called peace was only secured by the threat of extreme violence. Today, uh, I've heard many uh, experts assert that it's only the threat of nuclear weapons that have prevented there being uh, a third world war. It would seem that human beings can only secure a second-rate, shoddy, inadequate, and incomplete peace through the threat of physical violence. Contrast that with Jesus, who secured a complete and everlasting peace for the whole of creation by violence being done to him. On the cross, he took all the sin, evil, violence, and viciousness of the world upon himself. And this is of supreme importance to us as individuals, because for those who put their trust in Jesus, their standing before God is completely changed. Here's what Paul says, verses 21 to 22. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death 
to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. Because of Jesus, we can go from being enemies of God to being friends of God. God will look at us as if we'd never sinned because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And let us be clear, our enmity with God is 100% our doing. And our new friendship with God is 100% Jesus' doing. We cannot earn our place in God's kingdom. Jesus has secured it for us. So if we look at the last part of this reading, uh, we were alienated from God, verse 21. We are now reconciled to God by Jesus' death, verse 22. And we have the hope of an eternal future with God because of Jesus' resurrection, verse 23. Jesus has dealt with our past, our present, and our future. That being the case, what more could we possibly want that hasn't already come to us through Jesus? Earlier I showed that Jesus is the author of creation. He's the one for whom everything exists, and the whole of creation is sustained by him. Well, guess what? We are part of creation, you and I. That means Jesus is our creator. He is the one for whom we exist, and our lives are sustained by him. Not only that, but he has died for us. The God who made all of those stars has died for you and for me. The only right response to such a person is heartfelt love, adoration, worship, and faithful obedience. So you see, there can be no Jesus plus. We have been created by Jesus, for Jesus. Our existence depends on Jesus, and our salvation has been secured by Jesus. The Colossians were being peddled uh, Jesus plus Jewish laws and customs, or Jesus plus various pagan gods. Uh, and many Christians today have a kind of Jesus plus kind of mentality. So I met a Christian couple fairly recently, you won't know them, uh, but they were obsessed with conspiracy theories. Uh, the 5G conspiracy theory, which is the idea uh, that mobile phone signals somehow transmitted COVID. Uh, the Great Reset conspiracy, this idea that global elites were trying to use COVID to bring about a new world order. Uh, conspiracies about governments marking everyone with the sign of the beast. You name it, they had researched it. And it seemed that they um, derived a great deal of excitement uh, from all these conspiracy theories. So instead of focusing on Jesus and the gospel, they were focused on all kinds of wacky nonsense. It was Jesus plus conspiracy theories. Another time I went into someone's home and on their bookshelf they had a Bible and on the same shelf was the complete book of spells. As Christians, we shouldn't have anything to do with things that are spiritual, that are not firmly rooted in the good news of Jesus. Uh, that includes crystals, astrology, fortune-telling, divination, psychics, mediums, energy workers, I don't mean people that work for origin, uh, witchcraft, <laughs> spells, lucky charms, talismans, or anything else. We do not need Jesus plus a selection of New Age practices. 
Uh, this next one could be a bit controversial, just to say I have many friends who are Catholics. There are people in this church who come from a Catholic background. Uh, Catholics are Christians. We love Catholics. But I do question the practice of praying to or through Mary and the saints. We pray to the Father, through the Son, that is Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need to go beyond that. And there's no biblical warrant for doing so. When it comes to directing our prayers, we don't need Jesus plus. We just need Jesus. Sometimes it's not even a case of Jesus plus. It's more a case of everything else plus Jesus. You know, we prioritize our family, our career, our finances, our hobbies, and we kind of bolt Jesus on to the back of it all. Let us remember, Jesus is our creator. He is the one for whom we exist. Our lives are sustained by him. He died for us. What possible excuse could there be for not putting Jesus at the center of our lives and having everything uh, revolve around Jesus? Now, when I say that, some of us might feel a bit of internal resistance, kind of like, well, wouldn't that uh, inhibit my freedom? Wouldn't that curtail the things that I, I want to do? Doesn't that um, you know, restrict me in some way? The truth is there is nothing more liberating and fulfilling than putting Jesus at the center of our lives. When we make Jesus number one, we move progressively closer to our purpose and our potential. When companies advertise their product plus, the Plus normally enhances the product. So Disney Plus is better than Disney. YouTube Premium is better than YouTube. You don't get all those annoying adverts. Uh, Amazon Prime is better than Amazon. Well, it doesn't work that way with Jesus. Jesus Plus is infinitely inferior to Jesus. If we know and love Jesus, we know where we come from. We know why we're here. We know where we're going when we die. If we have a right view of who Jesus is, his power, his majesty, his sovereignty, his love, his greatness, we will trust him. We won't need to supplement Jesus with anything else. The greatness of Jesus was contested at Colossae. The greatness of Jesus is contested in our culture. But you know, the one sure way of seeing and experiencing the greatness of Jesus is by putting him at the very center of our lives. Not Jesus plus, just Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your son Jesus is all sufficient. That he's dealt with our past, our present and our future. Father, help us to grasp what it means to be created by Jesus, for Jesus, to be sustained by Jesus, to uh, have our salvation based on what Jesus has done for us. Father, help us to realign our priorities, realign our lives, so we put Jesus first and experience the fullness of life that he offers. And we ask this in his name. Amen.